I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. What is design? Is design the process of finding pretty cool, unusual things, objects, artifacts, and materials, and then placing them in an order to appear pleasing? Is it a method of material placement, functional arrangement, or is it something else? And why does it matter? Right about now, you might be wondering, what the hell? What's up, Josh? You good? I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me, and you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a, a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce inspired by the brilliance of Northern European sauna technology and design. A luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam. If you want luxury, you have one option. It's Thermosol. Check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. But I have been thinking a lot about this. I just recently completed a no-code AI course through MIT. Yes, that MIT. And while I can tell you the math was a real challenge. The concepts I learned were thrilling, absolutely thrilling. And it left me with actually more questions than answers. While everyone is talking about AI, I am hearing and seeing some things that I find really disturbing. An example, recently on Instagram, a notable personality in design was self-congratulating on the new product they created using nothing but AI tools, thereby creating something that nobody asked for. Nobody expressed a need for the design of this object. And there was such glee in the idea that something had been created without any human influence, save for the prompts used in a, in a mid-journey rendering, which was then given dimensions and actually produced in the real world. Okay, cool, right? That's, that's what I thought at first glance until I really started to think about it. I started this show 10 years ago. I've been publishing at least one episode every week since 2013. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I love design 
and I love the creatives that make up this amazing, remarkable creative industry. I think anyone who spends a fair amount of time around people understands that there always have been and always will be people who don't really understand the subject matter in which they work. It, it's the difference between, say, you know, a Bunny Williams, Alex Papacristides, or Martin Lawrence Ballard, and a designer who spends a few years designing their own home realize how hard it is, and then drop that to be a design business consultant. Design business consultant, right? Like they're going to tell you something that, that you don't know or that you can actually apply in real, in real world terms immediately. The industry is, is actually littered with them. And ultimately, the clients they consult are, are usually out of the business in a few years. When I was in broadcast sales, it, it was exactly the same. Someone would take a job selling airtime only to leave in a few years to start their own, you know, radio advertising buying service. They were always a one-dimensional enterprise that would last a few years and then they'd be off to something else. So why am I asking about this? Why am I asking about the, the quote-unquote true nature of design? Because... There is an emerging technology in the form of AI that is going to change our industry for en forever, inextricably forever. Um, I think we're also in a place and time where there has, there's been this kind of loss of respect for the creative side of the work in favor of less expensive although it still has to look expensive, a new mentality that in some way makes it okay to take other people's ideas and creativity and change it just enough to make it seem like a new idea. It's not a legal question or even a moral one, but a question of ingenuity, creativity, and the idea that creatives create new concepts, new designs, break some ground, for goodness sake. I mean, that is how this industry became so special. I'm seeing less and less of this from those who are new to the industry. And that, that, might, that might stand to reason. But I'm also seeing a great deal of this attitude from those who are, who are well-established. And I think it has to do with a couple of things. First being a fear of this new technology in, in artificial intelligence. And the second in the lack of time that creatives have to do their jobs. Uh, you know, post-pandemic, once everything opened up, less time, more responsibility, more things to do. You got to keep up with social media. You got to keep up with the family. You got to keep up appearances. You got to keep up with your clients. You got to respecify. You got to chase down orders. You got to, uh, it's exhausting, right? Designers and architects are creatives who make better the lives of those who inhabit the spaces they create, full stop. It's not about how many awards you win the lists upon which you find yourself, and Lord knows, there are a lot of lists out there right now. It's not about the coverage in the trade publications, because there are fewer and fewer of those now than there were last year, and there will be fewer next year than there are this year. The number of contributors is less. The, the number of, of really talented, qualified editors 
editors and chiefs are less. That's not new. That's, that's been happening for a few years now, and it's only going to continue, especially with the prevalence of digital media, right? So if you look back at this, it's not about the coverage, and it's not about making rooms look pretty or high luxury, because at the end of the day, form is meaningless without functionality. And that we learned a couple of years ago uh, during the pandemic, and that's not going to change. Quote, form follows function that has been misunderstood. Form and function should be one, joined in a spiritual union. End quote. Frank Lloyd Wright said that. But even Wright got it wrong sometimes. Blasphemy, you say. Perhaps. But after touring the Price Tower and numerous other Frank Lloyd Wright projects, I learned some things about him, things that everybody knows about his work. It's too rigid in places, like solid concrete walls that are impossible to access electrical, flat roofs that flat out leak, spaces that are too small like hallways and corridors because they're not deemed important, furnishings that are neither comfortable nor functionally exceptional. But Wright was a dreamer, an artist, the ultimate creative who thought in color, spoke his mind, and had zero concern for what others thought when it came to his work, or, or anything else for that matter, I think. Being an artist, being an artistic creative, it's not about being perfect. It's about possessing a willingness to fail in pursuit of something meaningful. So AI is real. And if you read all the posts on social media, you know as well as I do that people in the business are nervous about their future, nervous about their future prospects, and you know what? You, sh you should be. The individual who created a project from thin air using AI tools and finding a company to produce it, it's novel now, but there are plenty of real stories about idea theft, plagiarism, copyright and trademark infringement, or getting caught and being labeled as a fraud and you don't have to work too hard to connect the dots. This is a reality. This is going to, this is going to happen in the future because if, if you look at the, the technology now, you can create something that you want, but as, as AI continues to, to develop through machine learning, there will also be new tools that can go back retroactively and look at what has been created when it was created and compare it to things that were created prior to that. That could be a big problem for a lot of people. And it comes down to true pioneers. When I say that, I, I consider designers and architects to be pioneers, manufacturers, product manufacturers, product designers. You're pioneers. You have to be. The true pioneers of the electric car. Elon Musk, right? Nope. Have you ever heard of the EV1? The first, most advanced automotive fe feature automobile ever created by General Motors between 1996 and 2003. The car was introduced at the LA Auto Show in 1990, and by tw uh, 2003, the concept was killed, and almost all of the vehicles that were distributed through a lease-only program were collected and destroyed. The idea 
that technology had created something so dynamic. It could literally destroy the auto industry as we know it. Why would you buy a car every three years if you could invest in a far superior product that would remain on the road for 10 years or more? Use no gas. Um, concepts like regenerative braking and a beautiful look and you wouldn't need a new car every three years, 10 years or more. Basically, you wouldn't. And the car companies knew that. They also knew they would not survive if you could. So, yeah, they killed it. And by the way, go to the show notes of this episode. And uh, if you click on the EV1 link, it'll, it'll take you to the story. It's really fascinating. And if you look deep enough, if you give it a read, you will find correlations between the auto industry and the design industry. And, and by the way, I'm going to give you some other examples. Our industry is not that different from others. And you don't have to look that hard to find certain correlations. But if you do pay attention, you can see some things where they're a little scary and, and you can avoid some issues in the future. So designers, why would a client retain the services of a designer if all they had to do was input a series of well-written prompts into a set of AI tools and receive back a fully rendered CAD design. I haven't, but someday in the future, I will be asking the individual who created the AI product and the company that produced it if they were thinking about your future when they so loudly and boisterously threw out this idea. And if they're honest, the answer will be no, not really. They, you were not even a thought. They just wanted to create something new. And it's tempting, shiny new ideas. So to me, listen, to me, design is an art form that captures the essence of an individual, the client, pairs it with true desire, both spoken and not, to produce spaces that provide a superior quality of life. That's it. AI artificial intelligence. And by the way, I've said this before and I'll say it again because I have the tendency to repeat myself. AI to me is not artificial intelligence, but acquired intelligence. It's not creating something new. The God chip has not been created yet. This is not something that it can create completely brand new. It requires the input and influence of other ideas. So by its very nature, if you're getting a quote-unquote new product out of AI, you're not getting a new product, you're getting a derivative product of many other products. So it's not new. It's just acquired, readjusted, reformulated, and presented as new. There's a danger in that. So please note, too, that I did not mention products, budget, or anything outside of the application of skill, nuance, and communication. I don't think AI means artificial intelligence like, like I just mentioned. It's acquired. And it, it doesn't possess currently the computational power to think and process in a forward-thinking basis. It's important now because at some point in the future it might. But... If this were music, and I love music, 
it could uh, it could only share what has been played in the past and come up with new to come up with a new work product, right? Same thing as everything else, but but that which it used to create the new work is still a derivative product, as I mentioned before. So the designers who worked on products in the past made the new product that was created possible. So are they partial creatives? Do they get partial creative credit? Is it like a producer credit in music? Not currently. And that's something that's going to address our future. And, and so I mention this because I think it's important to look at the new technology that's coming out now and take the time to really learn it. So if you're a designer, are you okay with others taking bits and pieces of your work to create a new work product? As a creator who has published over 450 interviews that are in the digital universe and part of the AI collective now, I'm not. So what is the responsibility we all in the industry share to do, you know, to manage AI responsibly? I, and again, I would say that what you need to do is understand the technology you're working with and not abuse its power. If you're a manufacturer, show some integrity and don't just jump to create a product whose mere presence will negatively affect the very specifiers that keep you in business. I don't think everyone will, it, will heed this advice, but ignore it at your peril. Have you ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect and the idea of illusional superiority? You may not know the name, but you know the idea behind it. The Dunning-Kruger effect is when someone's lack of skill and knowledge in a subject still permits them to overestimate their own competence in that subject. Do you know someone who always interjects with advice in matters of which they have absolutely no functional understanding or abilities? You do, because we, <laughs> we all do. And I will tell you this, if you don't know somebody who does that, it might be you. Usually, it's just a friend who shells out bad advice. But what happens if that person, he heads up a division in a popular product manufacturer? What if that person is a consultant in the business with resources and a persuasive personality? What if that person convinces the first person to produce a design product strictly from AI tools? It's a gimmick that will get some ink and it might get coverage from some larger media players in the shelter space. But once that gimmick gets some oxygen, it's precedent. Once established, why wouldn't everyone do it until the, novel, the novelty subsides, right? Do you understand that if there are no more designer lines, that is yet another profit center removed from the creative side of the business? It means designers lose a, a revenue stream. And I think that's tragic. And I hope that does not happen. And I also think that it's not going to be as good because it's not possible. Either it's going to be a derivative of many other things or it's, again, going to be gimmicky and not as functional as a, as a really talented designer could make it. Anyway, AI is not there yet, but 
some people will treat it like it is. And I think that's a little bit scary. So there's another idea that I wanted to share with you called the mere exposure effect. Have you heard of this? That makes a lot of sense as well. It's this idea that people not only become more comfortable, but actually like stimuli to which they are increasingly exposed. It's this concept that after someone is exposed to something, they will tend to like it more due exclusively to greater familiarity. In design, we call this a trend, right? And trends only become a bad thing when they're trendy or popular for no other reason than because others like it or promote it. And by like, I mean in the social media sense of the word. The mere exposure effect highlights how style familiarity, where some are drawn to a past connection to things or ideas, is increasingly more popular or they come back or, you know, like the Cape Cod mod where it's just everything's white with a splash of blue and it all looks a certain way and everyone says, oh, I didn't, I didn't like it at first, but I, you know, I like it now. It's growing on me. That's the mere exposure effect. This is why you might see a design in one of the shelter pubs and think, what the heck, but later perhaps finding yourself more familiar and liking it a bit more because you've seen it before. The mere exposure effect, also known as the familiarity principle, suggests that people tend to develop a preference for things they're exposed to more frequently. While this effect is typically associated with psychology and marketing, it can also be reflected in interior design choices. Here's how the mere exposure effect can influence or, or be represented in interior design. Familiarity with styles. People often feel more comfortable and drawn to interior design styles that are familiar or have been exposed to in the past. For example, if someone grew up in a home with traditional decor, they might naturally gravitate towards similar styles when designing their own space. This preference for familiar styles can be seen in the selection of furniture, color schemes, and overall design aesthetic. Repeated exposure to trends. Trends in interior design often gain popularity through repeated exposure. As certain design elements or styles become more commonly featured in magazines, websites, or on social media, they become familiar to more people, which can make them more appealing. Interior designers and homeowners may incorporate these trends into their design choices to create a sense of modernity and relevance. But I, I guess for me at the end of the day, that's how the whole um, color of the year, that whole concept with the color of the year, how you'll start hearing more people talking about it, whether they've used it prior to this year, like it, don't like it, it, it becomes more familiar. And with that familiarity becomes more both acceptable and will actually seep into preference and choice. It's interesting. Showcasing personal belongings. Displaying personal belongings, such as family photographs, cherished heirlooms, or travel souvenirs can create a comforting and familiar atmosphere within a space. These items hold personal significance and evoke memories and emotions, contributing to a sense of familiarity and belonging. Now more than ever, 
this idea, and I guess I'm kind of flipping the script a little bit because by, by having these personal belongings incorporated within the, within the overall design, it makes the overall design more relevant to the person for whom the space is being designed. And that is a great technique, strategy, tool, call it what you will, for designers to employ. So it's not all bad, right? Consistency in design elements. Repeated use of specific design elements throughout a space can enhance the sense of familiarity and cohesiveness. Consistency in color schemes, patterns, and materials can create a harmonious and comforting visual experience. This can be achieved through the use of recurring colors, textiles, and motifs in furniture, fabrics, and accessories. Again, it's a positive. Subtle repetition. Incorporating subtle repetition in design can create a sense of familiarity and harmony. This can be achieved through the use of repeated patterns, shapes, or textiles. For example, a repeated geometric pattern in wallpaper or tile can contribute to a cohesive and familial, uh, sorry, familiar uh, visual experience. Gradual exposure to novelty. This is a really interesting one because while the mere exposure effect suggests a preference for the familiar, it also indicates that repeated exposure to novel stimuli can lead to increased liking and acceptance. Interesting, right? And interior design, this can be seen when introducing new design elements or styles gradually. Initially, a, a new and unfamiliar design choice might be met with resistance, but with repeated exposure, it can become more familiar and ultimately well-liked. Look, I'll give you an example. Um, so the idea of mixed metals. Right now, mixed metals are not just having a moment they have graduated to full acceptance stature. If you look back years, you will, you will see, you know, criticism over, over mixing metals. And it was just, it was considered a design faux pas. But now it's actually incorporated into major design, the same way that organic material is incorporated into modern, clean aesthetics it's more acceptable now because the idea is being seen elsewhere. By understanding the mere exposure effect, interior designers can leverage familiarity and repeated exposure to create spaces that resonate with individuals and elicit positive emotions. Whether through incorporating familiar design styles, showcasing personal belongings, or employing consistent design elements, designers can create interiors that feel comfortable, appealing, and aligned with their clients' preferences. So what do these two ideas have to do with AI and interiors? Back to the original idea. If we find a liking due to familiarity, and we have those not with a talent or skill, but a following or influence, speaking out of an assumed expertise, begin to produce objects from what is familiar through AI. Remember, AI-produced imagery can only be tethered to what was previously, previously created. It's not new work. It's, so not a completely new work product. 
So there would be a certain level of familiarity with the object. And it is then promoted or seen at trade shows. It's entirely plausible that these products would become popular. It's also completely plausible that the work of true design talent does, in fact, become obsolete. I think that's not only possible, but probable. And I'm going to tell you how in just a minute. We are living at a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community, so you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom, in Fountain Valley, California. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 radio West 3rd Street in Los companies. Angeles. When I was in broadcast radio, something happened in the 1990s that I found shocking. Around the time Napster came out, the record labels were absolutely freaking out about people being able to freely download, upload, and share music without paying for it. At the same time, radio leadership was freaking out for the same reason, but in their case, the fear was radio listeners would stop listening to the music because they could get it for free. So decades later, we have the luxury of looking back and evaluating the outcome. Remember that by, by the 1990s, when I would go and buy a CD, unless it was a rarity, like, for example, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, Beastie Boys' License to Ill, Nirvana's Nevermind, or Depeche Mode's Violator, you got a 13-song record with two great songs, four B-sides, and fillers that you could tell most bands just cobbled together to complete the record. The labels lost control of their product. Bands learned that touring and merch could beat publishing revenues. Uh, and and it's, it's all, it, it became all about the singles on iTunes, right? 
what does any of this have to do with design? Well, it's everything because it is exactly the same idea. History doesn't repeat, it rhymes, right? Thank you, Mark Twain, but it's true. As an industry, we need to be very careful as does everyone with the ideas revolving around AI. Because like I said, I don't believe AI is artificial, but accumulated intelligence. And once designers give up the, the creative activity that is creation of a dedicated line, you'll never be able to get that back, just like the record companies are never going to be able to get record sales back again, just like radio stations are never going to be able to get listeners back from Pandora, Spotify, Sirius, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Audible, you name it, right? It's just not going to happen. And any creative who's had their ideas hijacked and reimagined by someone else knows how that feels. So here's another concept to chew on. Have you ever heard of the 30% rule? It's a false narrative. It's a false concept that one can change the intellectual property of another person's work and have that satisfy that the work is fundamentally different and not a copy. The idea itself is flawed because there is no such rule, first of all. And if someone feels like you stole their intellectual property, they can sue you. It's not, it's not what anyone thinks, it's what you can convince a judge or jury. But a creative would still need to defend their IP. And there are no guaranteed outcomes when you're talking about a, you know, intellectual property defense. So what stops someone from taking a sofa, rug, or console design that was created and manufactured by someone else? Prompt ChatGPT to change the concept by 30% and put the final product into a CAD drawing for production. What's to stop anybody from doing that? Absolutely nothing. And one step further down this slippery slope, ask Midjourney through a series of prompts to create a design for a piece of furniture using a series of popular keywords. The work product created will be drawn from other ideas. Again, recreating the work product from another design into a quote-unquote new design, but it isn't new, is it? So I, I think, look, like I said, I'm taking courses in this and, and what I've learned, I, I think AI tools are properly positioned to decrease the amount of time it takes to ideate and create new products. That's a great thing. But as long as you have the Dunning-Kruger effect and people who just want to capture short-term gains without really understanding the potential pitfalls, the industry, like every other industry, is going to find itself with ethical, legal, and other issues as of now unforeseen. But through trial, they will materialize. This is going to happen. Don't take the bait. The business is not easy. If it were, everyone would be doing it. What if it became so easy that everyone could do it? What would happen if you're a designer? What would happen to your business? If you're a client, what happens to your design? You don't get the personalized look. What makes designers so special is not their trade discount. 
It's their artistry. It's their, it's their craftsmanship. It's their psychological abilities to listen to the client and understand what the client's true needs are. AI is not that. Architects. The true value of architects is, is looking at space and being able to see and understand what light's going to do over time, how the, how the landscape is going to shift, how it's going to change, how it's going to develop and morph. AI can't do that. There are a lot of things that it can do, but it, it, it can only predict based on the information that it was given. It can't predict based on intuition, based on you know, what a client means instead of what they say. It's different. A while back, I was on social media and there was a graphic designer who was blasting AI tools, saying that they couldn't handle it if a client provided ad abstract feedback like, quote, I wanted to pop more, unquote, meaning that chat GPT or AI tools couldn't give that client an adequate response. So I wanted to test that theory out. I asked ChatGPT how it would respond to the following, okay? Quote, imagine, so here's the prompt, right? Imagine that I am a client of yours and you are a graphic designer. I gave you the task of creating a visual project and upon review of the first iteration, I said to you, make it pop more. What would you do? End quote. Seems simple, right? And here's the response. It, it, was, it was staggering to me. So all of this, until I say end quote, this is what it gave me back, okay? Quote, as a graphic designer, if you asked me to make the visual project pop more, after reviewing the first iteration, I would understand that you want the design to be more eye-catching and impactful. Here's what I would do to achieve that. Color enhancement. I would consider adjusting the colors to make them more vibrant and visually appealing. This could involve increasing the saturation or contrast, selecting bolder color choices, or experimenting with complementary color schemes to create a stronger visual impact. Typography. I would revisit the typography used in the design. Making it pop more could involve selecting a more attention-grabbing font or adjusting the size, weight, or spacing of the existing typography to create a stronger hierarchy and visual interest. Visual interest. I would assess the visual elements within the design and look for opportunities to enhance their impact. This could include adding graphic elements such as icons, illustrations, or patterns to make the design more visually engaging. Additionally, I might explore the use of gradients, shadows, or other effects to create depth and dimension. Composition and layout. I would review the overall composition and layout of the design. Making it pop more might involve repositioning or resizing elements to create a, a more dynamic arrangement. Adjusting the placement of key elements, such as focal points or call to action elements, can help draw the viewer's attention and increase the design's impact. Contrast and visual hierarchy. I would ensure that the design has sufficient contrast between different elements, such as text and background, to make the important elements stand out. By establishing a clear visual hierarchy, I can guide the viewer's attention to the most important aspects of the design. Experimentation. If the current design iteration is not achieving the desired level of visual impact, 
I would explore alternative design concepts and iterations. By experimenting with different approaches, I can discover new ways to make the design more captivating and visually appealing. Ultimately, my goal would be to create a visual impact, uh, a visual project that captures attention, communicates effectively, and aligns with your vision and requirements. Through the iterative design process, I would work closely with you to ensure that the final outcome fulfills your expectation and successfully pops to grab the viewer's attention. End quote. Okay. So if you ask a machine that has been trained to use specific influence on <clears throat> the creation of new work, it is by its very nature a derivative work, meaning it's not original. The argument then is, well, what is it? If, if we're okay with using derivative works to call them new, that's fine. Because at the end of the day, all a creative can really do is their best work, limited by creative flow, time, and energy. This is only one part of how AI will change our industry. Many I have spoken with say they don't have the time to learn how to use these new tools. <laughs> okay, well, if you don't have the time to stay current on new tech like this, you risk becoming irrelevant. Or do what others do if you have the resources, and that is to hire somebody who does. But know that when you're hiring younger people who have the time to learn these tools, Eventually, when they get really, really good at them, someone else will be knocking who will want to pay them more. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a byproduct of success, right? Have you heard of this concept, design out crime? It's a concept the Los Angeles P Police Department has been engaged in since the late 1990s, started much earlier, I think the 1970s. And you, you might have never heard of it. Um, I had neither until recently while working on a project for a client. Design Out Crime is, is based on an idea. A, a city government, municipality, or police department can apply strategies and techniques that prevent crime before it happens through the application of design principles. This is a really interesting idea because as a society, I, I think we feel unsafe. Straight up. When I was a kid growing up in Southern California, I was afraid of one thing. There was one thing that I was afraid of, and that was the bomb. The Day After was a made-for-TV movie that came out in 1983, I think, and it scared the hell out of me because it could happen. To be frank with you, prior to the pandemic, I'd never believed it, it could happen here. Third world countries, of course, but not here. The smash and grab robberies happening by large groups in many major cities around the country, completely unacceptable, yet it keeps happening. Water in Flint, Michigan, floods, fires, violent crime, mass shootings, school shootings, wind events, and unpredictable weather of all kinds. Feeling safe, feeling secure is an issue that affects all of us. As if that isn't enough, it's difficult to remember sometimes that 
we are in a service industry. I had a recent reminder of sorts what what that means and why it's important. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that story in a minute, but the first thing, I, what I'm going to say to the safety issue, this is another issue that you're going to be hearing far more on the show these days because designers, architects are the ones who can make projects safer, who make homes more functional, who can blend that, that inextricable connection between form and function as it relates to the specific individuals for whom design is made. So I recently made a switch in cell service. This is a hard switch, so sorry about that, but um, I'm pivoting. I was with my former mobile provider for 22 years. And in that time, there was never any service provided. Sure, I got mobile service, just the product, but never service service. Over the years, the product degraded and the customer service became completely unacceptable. It was not the pain I expected to switch service providers. Not only did I switch, but got better service for half the cost of what I was paying before. Designers I speak with all tell me that their number one source for new business is not advertising, but word of mouth. I believe that's true because they don't advertise, but it also begs the question, why do clients recommend you? What you do now is wonderful, but as the world keeps getting smaller, the need to raise your level has increased and you don't get any additional time to learn how to navigate these new challenges. But there are others who will. If you're standing still, you are falling behind. And the level of urgency and ability to adjust will determine your le next level of success. Not to pile on, but look at the recent developments with Mitchell Gold, Bob Williams. As of this writing, they've been shuttered for over a week and you can still order product on the website. Will it arrive? I have no idea. But it does draw the memory back to Laurel and Wolf's spectacular collapse, right? Service and reputation matter because there's always someone else out there to replace you. If you have learned anything th throughout your career, as I have learned through mine, if you make a mistake, own it. If you own it, clients will respect you for it. If you don't own it, you will become obsolete. And this episode has jumped from, from step to step with a lot of different subjects, but it's all related to the same thing. The second question, what is design is the first question. Why does it matter is the second. That is almost more important than the first question, what is design, right? What is design is personal and subjective. Why does it matter is more important because it represents the future of the industry. Going back to examples like radio, music, and cars. Radio was once a personal friend, and now it's a utility to deliver music, news, sports, information, and commercials. Radio stations used to have a personality all their own. They had exclusive DJs talking to local listeners like they knew them personally. Look, I grew up in Southern California. When I was a kid, there were three rock stations I listened to. I listened to KLOS, KMET, KNAC. And those three stations hated each other, hated each other. 
you had you had Bob Coburn on one, Jeff Gonzer on another, Mark and Brian doing mornings. It was it was a battle, battle royale, and they fought for every rating point. They cared. They were personal. They took it personally. Music was once delivered in a packaged format on a record with a jacket, cover art, liner notes. Now it's delivered as a genre collection by artists or format. If you use Spotify, Apple Music, or any other delivery system, AI selects the tracks for you. They're not magically put together and sent to you by the music fairy. You, what's delivered to you is based on choices you've made in the past. Again, it's not artificial intelligence, it's augmented. It's, it's, it's accumulated, rather. It's accumulated based on your personal preferences. Automotive was once a passion, and to many it still is, but it's not mandatory anymore. You can live in New York City, Boston, or even L.A. and not own a car. This was previously unheard of. Not anymore. It matters because it's a unique form of art, and it should last. It's important to me because it's important to you. As I said when I, when I started this episode, I love designers and architects. That's why I do what I do. If design does matter, here's my recommendation for those new to the industry as well as those who are looking for the reset. Return to learning. If you have become dependent on any form of technology that in its absence you could not continue to do what you do, look at ways to extricate yourself. For example, if you're using 3D modeling software for all your renderings, learn to draft by hand again. Learn to sketch with a pencil, graph, and paper, and ruler. Acquire the ability to draw your designs on a napkin that convey your ideas. Tune out. Social media isn't real. Fans and followers are fake. Images aren't real. And the ideas conveyed, obtaining value from a, from a quantity of likes and emojis isn't real. Disconnect emotional from social media and use it for what it is, a communications tool. Reconnect. Answer the phone make a call, send an email, return an email intended for just one person instead of these mass emails that we all get. Just send one person a note, would you? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Take time to ask questions, listen to the answers, have a conversation, slow down and hear. We are losing our ability to connect one-on-one -on -one because social media, something of which we are always exposed, places a currency on volume not quality. How many likes? How many followers? How many posts? It's not real. But the individuals are. Real connections make for real relationships, which, transla which translate into real engagement, which is, if you want to go back, that's where word of mouth comes from. That's why people recommend you, because they have a connection with you. People don't buy product, they buy people. And if you're a designer and you recommend product, that's why your clients will buy it. Unplug. AI can really help you do your work in amazing ways, but you must first learn to use it and use it for what it does best. The skill set is what makes designers amazing, not how they can manipulate tools to do the job for them. If that ever becomes the rule, designers will cease to be special 
for what they are and what they do because any project manager will be capable of doing the work with the same level of proficiency. Digital artists have a real skill, but they will never replace a fine artist or a sculpture artist. A concept like wabi-sabi is real, and because it's imperfect, it's naturally authentic, not manufactured. It's the imperfections that make something unique. That goes for people and design as well. Think of yourself 10 years ago. There were few design or architecture podcasts. All the information shared with the trade came from the shelter publications. They were neatly packaged and offered like the art magazines. Now, you can see all of the shelter pubs are more real and authentic because they have to be. Podcasts are the same way. But there are some, well, so many of them actually. Now, if you listen to podcasts, you listen most likely because you appreciate what the host has to say. If you're listening to this show because you like the guests I offer you, you like the information, I appreciate that. That's why I do this. But you also need to accept that not all podcast hosts know what they're talking about. I hope you love Convo by Design and that you glean new information from every conversation, story, and episode. If you have a host that was once a designer telling you how to run your business, think about why they're doing that instead of running their own design business. If you want to learn about contracts, find a really good legal podcast episode about contracts. If you want to learn about keeping your books, contract negotiations or business coaching, find professionals who do that and host a podcast to learn that. Everyone has advice for you, myself included. I'm confident in my abilities, and I know what I've learned through real-world scenarios. Your time is valuable. Connect with experts who aren't sharing what they never did, but instead those who know the specific vertical of which you want to learn. I'm posting this episode now because I'm working on the Convo by Design 2024 editorial calendar, and I am absolutely thrilled to share some new ideas, conversations, guests, and ideas with you. 2024 will bring the long-form interviews with creatives that you have come to enjoy. They're going to be targeted a little bit differently based on what, what we've done in the past and where I think we're going in the future. More Drinking About Design episodes, you can count on that, featuring incredible but real stories behind design. Business of Design, like this episode. Book looks, showcasing incredible books and tomes that are being presented by design talent around the country and around the world. Recordings from live events from around the country and so much more. Thank you for listening and subscribing to this show. If you're not already doing it, please do so you don't miss a single episode the moment they're published. Thank you to my remarkable partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware. If you are not familiar with these brands, they are the best at what they do and will help you be the best at what you do. So check the show notes for direct links. Thank you to Compo by Design guests for taking the time to share your stories and skill. And again, thank you for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Until next week, be well and take today first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.